Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Welcome, welcome, welcome back, folks, to another episode of Third and Forever with Tyler Haskins. I am your host with the most, bringing it back for the first time in almost a year now, man. It feels like just yesterday I was still doing these episodes pretty consistently, um, but I'm back with another string of episodes for Third and Forever with Tyler Haskins. Um, a little bit of a reintro. I know I, I did this show for a while last year um, throughout you know, spring and summer 2022. Um, but for those of you who don't know who I am, uh, just to reintroduce myself, my name is Tyler Haskins. Uh, I'm a student athlete currently finishing up my time here at Northwestern University uh, in Evanston, Illinois, right outside Chicagoland, USA. Um, you know, I I love sports. I love sports. And this is the reason that I got into this and the reason I got into what I study here at Northwestern, uh, which is journalism. And, you know, it's it's the best school in the country for it, you know, for for obvious reasons. But, you know, I I'm someone who loves sports, wants to be around sports, uh, you know, when my playing days are over. And I'll get into a little bit about my my time as a player and as an athlete as well. But uh, just a little bit about me, man. I mean, I grew up uh, in northern Virginia, a town called Stafford outside of uh, Washington, D.C. So for my DMV people out there, uh, you know, and my VA people. Two up, two down. You know what it is. Uh, but I grew up in Northern Virginia, and um, you know, come from a from a military background. Uh, both my parents served. You know, um, I didn't have the uh, the the travel travel privileges, and I know some would call them privileges. Some may call them unfortunate circumstances of being a military brat. I wasn't a true military brat, um, you know. But my my parents, they took care of all the traveling, and everything before before I came around. So I got to stay in one location and grow up in the same spot. Um, you know, I'm proud to be from the DMV and, uh, you know, wear that on my sleeve. But, um, you know, growing up, I started playing football when I was probably seven years old, man. You know, and uh, God has blessed me to still be able to be playing this game today um, through through all types of, you know, ups and downs. But, um, you know, I, I love I love the game of football. And it's my first love. I fell in love with it from a young age. And I love talking it. I love playing it. And I realized that one day I was like, I, I got to make a career out of this. I got to be able to go and still be involved in this sport when I'm done playing and be able to make some money off it. Because this is all I know. It's bottom line. And I think so many guys who end up you know, fortunate enough to play in the league one day, um, you know, playing in the NFL want to stay around by being broadcasters or, you know, doing something to keep themselves involved in the game. Uh, that's the same dream I had, you know, uh, I was a quarterback in high school, you know, so I had, I had the privilege of, of being a man on Friday nights. Um, you know, and I, uh, I was dual threat guy. I used to use my legs a lot. Uh, could throw it as well. Uh, looking back, I would probably, I was an average thrower. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm, I was an average thrower. Um, you know, my skill set was definitely more using my legs. Um, but just being an athlete, you know, it got me got me a lot of recruiting options to be able to go to college and play ball at the next level. Um, you know, and I had multiple options, including uh, in multiple positions. So, you know, I got offered out of high school by Davidson uh, University down in North Carolina, uh, Brown University, William & Mary uh, and Northwestern. And all of those schools. Uh, I only had one offer that allowed me to play quarterback still. So 
you know, I, I look at it and I'm like, all right, well, I know three out of these schools, these four schools, I'm going to have to switch positions, you know, and I chose Northwestern because I was like, you know what, this, this is the best of both worlds, man. I felt like I'm getting, you know, the highest level of college ball to be able to play in a conference like the Big Ten, you know, and be at the the Power Five level, but also to get a state-of-the-art degree uh, in a state-of-the-art location and network being right down the road from the third biggest city in the country uh, in Chicago, you know. And so I packed up 17 years old. I came out here and, um, you know, transitioned my life out here to, to Evanston. And it's it's been an amazing four years, uh, I got to say. You know, I'm, I've been really blessed and fortunate with all the memories and, you know, the experiences that I've had uh, just as a college student, as a student athlete playing ball here for the Wildcats, um, you know, as a professional for all the things I've been able to do on the side in terms of networking, expanding my network and gaining, you know, work opportunities, um, stuff for, you know, throughout college and as well as beyond college for the future as well. So it's been a great opportunity to be here. Um, I recently, uh, if you know, those of you who haven't seen it on Twitter yet, I recently uh, have just committed to continue my athletic and academic career at Bryant University uh, in Rhode Island. And, you know, that came from a decision of entering the transfer portal, uh, which I'll, I'll talk about here in a little bit, because I have some some pretty interesting things of, of actually having the experience of being in that. But I entered the transfer portal following uh, my senior season here at Northwestern. Uh, it was a tough year. We won our opener out in Ireland on uh on the international circuit man that was that was a heck of a moment uh to go and do that with the boys and, and with the program but after that you know we struggled you know we lost 11 straight and it was just a tough way to finish out the year um and i felt you know it was my best interest to go and, and look to other options you know no no type of ill will towards you know the wildcats or you northwest know, anything like that you know i got love for my whole entire northwestern family uh and thankful for all that you know everybody who has been a part of that family has done for me over four years here, um, but felt it was best to, to move on and head to another location and just thankful for the opportunity that I have now to be able to, to head to Bryant and, um, you know, continue my career to continue playing. You know, I'm, I'm 21 years old at this point and have been playing this game for about 14 going on 15 years, you know, so it's, it's just really a privilege to be able to still do it because uh, a lot of people can't do that, um, you know, so. I'll be continuing on at Bryant um, after getting my journalism degree here at Northwestern. I will uh, be getting an MBA at Bryant as well. So uh, looking forward to it. Um, but hey, man, that's enough about me. You don't want to hear nothing about me. I'm <laughs> I'm born. OK, I'm, I'm a man of I'm a jack of all trades. I'm a man with many faces, but I'm born at the end of the day. You don't want to talk about me anyway. Let's talk about this transfer portal, man, because. I I always I think I used to frown upon it so much. I frowned upon the transfer portal because I'm like, it's ruining college football. I had a lot of those, you know, traditional mindsets and values. And then when I was a junior, it was my junior year here, uh, academic junior redshirt sophomore here at Northwestern. Uh, the laws came out that summer prior to the 2021 season for the NIL, uh, name, image and likeness laws. And that gave uh, student athletes like myself uh, the opportunity to profit off of our name, image, and likeness. And along with that, as that was on the rise, it seemed like the transfer portal seemed to be on the rise as well. Now, a little bit of a history about the transfer portal dating back to, I want to say, really only a few years ago still. Uh, if you transferred somewhere, you had to sit out a whole year and you could not compete. Um, and I think that was across all sports in the NCAA. They changed that rule where you could have immediate eligibility to be able to transfer and continue playing the very next year at a new school 
and people took, took advantage of it. They started taking advantage of it. And when NIL got, you know, big and popular, I think that kind of paired with it to say, all right, we're going to use NIL as basically a motive and an incentive for these kids to come and, and, and bring them in where we want to be for free agency that's pretty much what it is at, at the end of the day it is free agency you know I, I sit here and i look at all the free agency moves that have been made here in the 2023 offseason for the nfl and i'm looking at these tweets and like this guy goes here this guy is signed here he signs this amount of money you know worth a deal it's like oh my gosh i went through this same thing about a few months ago i've been going through the same thing in the transfer portal and it's like it's exactly not exactly the same but they're very very similar in a lot of ways you know, and, and the portal, man, it's interesting. It really is interesting because there's so many guys, you know, I just, just talk about football players. I mean, everybody obviously is available for all athletes, but specifically with football players, there are so many, so many people, so many players in the portal, you know, and you got guys who have multiple reasons for it. You know, it's, it's you know, lack of playing time and, you know, you're trying to go somewhere else where you can play and, guys who have legitimate aspirations of making it to the league they want to get there as soon as possible you know you have people like myself who are grad transfers who have finished up their their four-year degree and are going somewhere else to get another degree you know um you know, there's there's multiple different options there's there's uh coaching changes that can affect it you know guy recruits you and then he goes to take another job that's that's the business of it you know that's just what happens um you know and you can never i'll tell anybody man never never ever chase a coach uh, there's some amazing, amazing coaches out here, and I've had some amazing coaches, but you can never chase them in college ball because this business is too cutthroat and they will be on the road to the next location before you can, you know, think about it. So but with with the transfer portal, man, it was it was very interesting to get in it. And, you know, just like the flock, like the flock of of schools that are out there that you you don't even think about and forget about sometimes. Um, and it, it can go up and down. You know, it can be. You know, you first enter the portal and it's like, oh, man, I got all these schools after me. Like everyone's after me. Then like it may fall off like a week later. And it's like, OK, well, you know, these schools, maybe they're still playing for for a bowl game or something. You know, these FBS schools, these FCS schools, maybe they're still playing in the uh, the FCS playoffs. You know, I entered the portal in December after the season. So, you know, during that time, there was still a season going on for other teams, even though my team had, wasn't playing and competing. Other teams were still finished up their seasons. So it was like, you know, these schools, they jump on you right away. These coaches, they're blowing you up. But then, you know, after that, it may fall off a little bit because they still have a job to do. You know, uh, also along with that, after their season finishes, these guys still got to go on the road and recruit, you know, and not just me and, and other transfers, but actual high schoolers, because that's still a legitimate part of recruiting as well. Maybe falling off a little bit. And I can talk about that in a second here, too. But it's still a necessary part of building up depth for your team and being able to develop guys. You know, with the transfer portal, it's a benefit for teams and programs who can win and contribute immediately, especially when it's absolutely necessary. We look at USC from about two years ago, had a disappointing year, uh, didn't they weren't where they wanted to be, didn't perform the way they should have. And they go in the transfer portal and they go, well, first off, they take they take the coach Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. And that meant Caleb Williams was coming, too. Uh, but they take quarterback Caleb Williams out of Oklahoma, bring him to Southern Cal. Then you go and get Jordan Addison out of Pittsburgh and you bring him to Southern Cal, uh, and including a flock of other players. 
I'm not going to speak on the details of what, what was able to bring these guys out here, but you know, hey, that's NIL, you know, and that's where that piece comes in to be able to give these guys incentives to move across the country and come and get a better playing opportunity, you know, and you look at it in USC, they perform well, you know, uh, made it to the Cotton Bowl this year, honestly, on the edge of being in the uh, in the college football playoff, had it not been for that loss in the Pac-12 championship against Utah this past season. But, you know, it's it's an opportunity for coaches and teams to be able to profit immediately, especially when, you know, say maybe, for example, a coach is on the hot seat. He needs to win now to be able to keep his job. Well, he can go in the portal. He can get a whole bunch of experienced guys. If he knows he's got a young roster, he can go and get a whole bunch of experienced guys in the transfer portal who can come, come and contribute right away and be able to, you know, produce and help, you know, gain and acclimate wins to the program. You know, and it's just a, a very interesting, interesting process that has really changed college ball uh, for the foreseeable future into free agency. It really is free agency at the end of the day, you know. I'm thankful and fortunate that I was able to get out, okay, because what a lot of people don't do is they don't get out the portal, okay? And when you get in the portal, your mindset should be, I need to find the right place, what's going to work for me, my priorities, whether it's grades, you know, academics, uh, football, whether it's locations, whatever I'm looking for, I need to set that priority and make sure I get that. But I need to go ahead and get that taken care of. ASAP. Okay. Not to rush the process, but to make sure I'm not stuck in the portal because the problem is there are so many players in the portal. You can get lost and you can mess around and get stuck in there. You never come out, you know, and again, I'm thankful. I'm very fortunate that I had the opportunity to be able to get out, you know, but you know, enough about that, man. I mean, overall, it's been a great experience playing college ball. I mean, I've had some experiences, man, that, you know, I could never dream of. I mean, I dreamed of playing college football at the D1 level one day, but, you know, some of the experiences that I've had, uh, I could never compare to anything I could think of. You know, I think some of my favorite favorite times playing ball uh, would include the Big Ten Championship in 2020 during a COVID year where there was barely any fans in the stands. And to be able to play in a stadium like Lucas Oil Stadium down in, in Indianapolis, the home of the Colts, you know, that's a, that's a place that will always hold a, a special special, uh, you know, memory and special place in my heart because of that. You know, that was the first time I, I played on the NFL NFL field. I think it may have been the first time I stepped on the NFL field was to be able to play. You know, I was fortunate enough to be able to get playing time against, you know, college football giant in, in Ohio State, you know, and uh, play against Justin Fields and all those boys in 2020. Um, I mean, I – uh, I'm not going to brag a little bit, but I, I was locked up with Jamison Williams, who is now in Detroit playing for the Lions. He's a speedster, I'll tell you. But but I kept up with him. I kept up with him, and and I didn't get beat. I didn't get burnt. So so what does that say about me? But no, nah, but you know, it was it's just a privilege to be able to play like, you know, in, in different places, man. I mean, I've been I can say I've been able to play at the big house, you know, against Michigan. Um, I played against Nebraska back in 2021 out in uh out in lincoln man hands down hands down my favorite favorite stadium to play in i mean especially for a primetime game that place is rocking and nebraska fans i appreciate you for always being so very very nice even even if it gets a little weird sometimes uh thank you for always being supportive and very nice even after kicking teams asses so thank you thank you very much um but been very fortunate, man, um, and just just thankful for the opportunity. Um, I want to talk a little bit now 
just transitioning to free agency in the NFL and a lot of the news that's gone on. Um, first thing I know about me, I'm a Ravens fan when it comes to, you know, NFL team. I'm, I'm, I'm a Ravens fan and I love Lamar Jackson, man. I mean, I've been a, a big Lamar Jackson fan uh, since Louisville days. Uh, watched him. He was he was at Louisville when I was coming up through high school. Um, so to be able to model my game after him as a high school quarterback, um, I did that a lot, you know. And he's he's a second coming to Michael Vick, and for his playing style, it matched my playing style and what I did pretty well on the field too. So I watched a lot of him and tried to model my game after him. Became a huge fan, and you know, obviously for being able to play for the Ravens, uh, which, you know, a team that I closely followed all the time growing up, being right up the road in Baltimore. Um, you know, it was it was really something cool to be able to see him go there. Now, I wish someone in that organization would pay the man so he can stay there. Because for whatever reason, uh, this deal is not getting done. Now, okay, I won't even say whatever reason, because there are a lot of reasons, okay? Number one, whether he says his his team and his camp have reported that they want a fully guaranteed deal or not, um, I think it's it's obvious that he wants a fully guaranteed deal, and rightfully so. Okay, for the way that this man plays, how much he uses his legs, how much he runs that ball, and how much he takes hits, I would want a fully guaranteed deal as well. If I am continuously putting my body on the line week after week, and I'm also single-handedly running the offense for the entire team, okay? The situation here, folks, is that Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens can't agree on a deal, a long-term deal, to be able to keep him there in Baltimore. Uh, they've had multiple contract negotiations, multiple contract talks uh, over the past two years now, and still have not been able to get a deal done. And... I, I have so many opinions on it, so many opinions. But a lot of what gets in the way is a few things. Number one, it's the fully guaranteed deal. And this is the problem with the deal that the Browns gave Deshaun Watson last year. Deshaun Watson got a deal five years worth $230 million, fully guaranteed. And when the Browns did it, the entire league panicked because they're like, oh, my goodness, we have a new quarterback market has been reset in terms of money. We're getting we're going to have to pay these guys for years to come. Let me tell you, man. Quarterbacks are under. Sorry, under quarterbacks are overpaid. OK. They are overpaid. There's no reason why. Deshaun Watson should have got $230 million fully guaranteed. Don't get me wrong. What Deshaun Watson does on the field, what he has shown he can do on the field, very, very valuable talent and asset to your team. I'm not going to speak on what he did on, you know, off the field because that man is nasty. <laughs> okay, he's disgusting. But he still ain't worth no damn $230 million. Now, the Ravens are in the mindset with Lamar where – just because the Browns did something stupid don't mean we got to as well. And I don't blame them for that. But another problem lies, too, is durability. And I've always been told best the best ability is availability. And Lamar has not finished a season in two, 
three years now. Okay, this past year he didn't finish the season due to uh, a knee injury. The year before that he didn't finish the season because of an ankle injury. You know, I believe he missed the last five games in 2021. This past year he missed the last six, I believe it was, including the uh, the playoff game against Cincinnati, which Tyler Huntley almost won for the Ravens until he fumbled it on the goal line and tried to jump on a QB sneak from two yards out, which was a great idea. But anyway, because of the durability issues with Lamar and his play style, you know, he puts himself in harm's way a lot. It's tough to be able to put that type of money into a guy for long term when you don't know if he's going to be available. Rightfully so. It's, it's a business decision. It makes sense from the point of point of view of the organization. However, the organization has failed the quarterback in this position because they have failed to give him weapons and give him opportunities to disperse the ball around the field without having to put it all on his back every single game. What do I mean by that? The Ravens are the only team, okay? The only team. The Ravens franchise has been around from 19, uh, 19, 1996 is when they came around. Uh, and, you know, they came down. They, they basically were the old Browns, and they moved to, to Baltimore um, to put a franchise back in Baltimore. Since 1996, in their entire existence, they are the only team, the only team in the league to not have drafted a Pro Bowl wide receiver. What? are you doing Ravens front office? You know, they haven't got the man any type of help. Don't get me wrong. Rashad Bateman has legit potential to be a number one receiver out of Minnesota. I've seen him play live sometimes we play in Minnesota and dude's lethal. He's definitely a weapon, man, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He goes back to some of that availability in. And after Rashad Bateman, I see, Devin Duvernay, who had a had a good year. He really did, especially in the return game. And then when he had to step up as a receiver catching passes, he did. But after that, Devin Duvernay got hurt. And after that, I, I see James Prochet and I see Demarcus Robinson, who who cooked, absolutely cooked Eli Apple. Y'all know that, uh, that I know my football fans, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. That meme of Eli Apple that came out after the Bengals Super Bowl loss to the Rams. With the burnt toast sitting up there at the podium, that that's that's what Demarcus Robinson Demarcus Robinson did to Eli Apple, man. Okay. Anyway, and then we also we signed forty something year old. I'm exaggerating, but forty something year old Deshaun Jackson. Okay. If I was ten, I'd be flipping out. I'd be excited as hell. But I'm not ten, and this is not the late two thousands or the early two thousand tens anymore. Okay. I don't know why <laughs> they decided to go into and sign Deshaun Jackson to a contract to be out there starting a the receiver. But it's what the Ravens do. They they never have pass catchers. That's kind of just, you know, the theme. You know, this is a team that's, that's built on defense, obviously. It's always been. And they build that defense to hold them in games. It's the reason why they were able to stay in games against Cincinnati in the playoffs this past season. Because they created turnovers and they kept them around. They kept them alive with a struggling offense on the other side of the ball. But in terms of Lamar, you haven't got him any type of weapons or any legitimate pass catchers. Lamar Jackson is a unanimous MVP. I think that's only been done one time before. He was a unanimous MVP in 2019 with receivers such as 
Willie Sneed, and he did he did still have Marquise Hollywood Brown back then, but Willie Sneed, Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykin, you know, Mark Andrews. But now nowadays, Mark Andrews, the tight end, who's one of the best tight ends in the league still, is his number one option. Because a lot of times Bateman's not on the field. You've got to give him some type of at least a wide receiver two or something, man. So that's one problem. The other problem is this. For the first time this offseason, the NFL Players Association released report cards of every NFL team. And you know, these report cards, you know, they they go and, and range in multiple different uh, you know, categories, rating uh, the team in terms of you know treatment of families and you know locker room and travel uh you know training room you know strength and conditioning staff all of that stuff meals whatever it is all the things that go into you know kind of making this this franchise run you see teams getting bad grades for travel because these dudes these grown men have roommates on the road they got to bunk up um i get that i've had to do it on pretty much every road trip even home trips that i travel to for college but these grown ass man, bro. They they got they got families. They got kids, man. They, they really don't need to be bunking together, man. They don't they don't need to have roommates on the road. You got treatment of families, you know, people having bad treatment from the team and not having privileges. Who are family of players? You have the meals. Some some of the meals. I, I want to say it was the Cardinals. The Cardinals or the Bengals. One of those teams that didn't give their their players dinner at the facility. Y'all ain't got money for that. Like, you don't have money to be able to give them all three meals a day. Your NFL franchise, it had to be the Bengals. You know why? Because it had to be Mike Brown's cheap ass. Because that would make the most sense. It, it would make sense. But anyway, I look at the Ravens, and the Ravens are ranked, I believe it's F. F in strength and conditioning. And like a C- minus in athletic treatment. And just like, like health-wise. I could see why damn quarterback would want a fully guaranteed deal because he knows he's not getting taken care of when it comes to his health. The other part about this, too, and I'm getting ready to wrap this up here soon, but Lamar also doesn't have an agent. Now, NFL agents are allowed to receive commission from 1% to 3% of their clients' deals. Now, Three percent really is not that much. I'm gonna just say it out of, out of the millions of dollars that these guys are making, especially for what I said earlier that quarterbacks are overpaid. Three percent really ain't that much to be given to an agent, especially when he's handling all the stuff that you don't want to go through. He's a trained professional. He's doing his job, or her. They're doing their job because they're professionals. It's what they're trained and paid to do. I respect Lamar. I've always respected Lamar for representing himself. But I think we're getting to the point where I'm going to need him to just suck it up and go get the damn agent, man. Because I think the negotiation with him towards the Ravens front office is an awkwardness there. Okay. You're supposed to have that agent there to be able to kind of bridge the gap. Okay. There's supposed to be a gap there that the agent bridges themselves to be an independent kind of third party that can work for both sides, okay? The, the mediator, if you will. 
that way they can work for both sides and give Lamar what he's looking for and voice that to the team. But you can also voice what the team is looking for back to Lamar. And that way, if you want to shoot somebody, shoot the agent, shoot the messenger, okay? But at least you're not doing that back and forth where it's Lamar Jackson directly to, you know, Ravens GM Eric DaCosta and back again. And that's why I think it's very important to have that agent there because, again, there's also things that agents can do and, and people that agents know. He can just reach out and say, hey, Lamar, I got you a deal, man. Lamar could be sitting here chilling and really just enjoying his offseason. Yet he still has to worry about this stuff. And, and let me mention this before we go. The Ravens did put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him. Exclusive and non-exclusive. The difference is about $13 million. And the exclusive tag does not allow Lamar to be able to, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, deliberate what other teams try and make an offer, you know, see if he can go somewhere else. The, the non-exclusive tag allows him to do that. That is what they put on him, and that's the process that he's in right now. Now, we haven't heard any news recently about any teams that have made an offer sheet to him because if they submit that offer sheet. The Ravens have the chance to match it, and if they don't, they'll receive two first-round picks in return for Lamar going to that other team. I'm going to tell you right now, Lamar ain't playing on that damn tag. He is not playing on that non-exclusive tag. It really comes down to either get the deal done or he goes and plays somewhere else. It's also weird because a lot of teams have already said they're out on him, which I think is collusion at its finest. But (laughs) that's another story for another day. Um, Once again, I am Tyler Haskins. It's really great to be back on this podcast and be doing this show again, third and forever. And um, for all my fans and listeners, I appreciate you guys. For those who are coming back from last year, I appreciate you sticking with me. And um, you'll be hearing from me a lot more on the regular coming up here. So uh, once again, this third and forever with Tyler Haskins. Peace. This has been third and forever starring Tyler Haskins. <laughs>